If you want warmth, you must stand near the fire. If you want strength, you must withstand the weight. Like raw metal, through force and flame, we are tested. As the hammer falls, we are shaped, bent, made into something new. From scrap to substance, from crude to crafted, with every strike formed and made with purpose. If you want faith, you must be forged, refined by fire. Good morning, good morning, good morning, church, and a happy Father's Day. All the dads out there, you guys are amazing. I'm so thankful for you and just the difference that you make in your children, you make in generations. So way to go, dads. Great job. Uh, these are my daughters. Um, they are just growing up fast, but I love being a dad. I love being a dad. That's from the daddy-daughter ball, and uh, it's just awesome being a dad, and it's just what a blessing it is and uh, what a joy it is. And so thank you, dads. You guys are rock stars. I pray for you often. And just your walk with the Lord because it impacts so many. And I want you to know we're proud of you today. Also, welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Forged. And in this series, we're walking with this guy in the Bible named Joseph. And it's not the New Testament, you know, earthly dad, Joseph. This is the Old Testament guy. This is a guy who has 13 chapters in the book of Genesis. And a guy that God used in an incredible way. And we're learning so much from his story. Now, I got to tell you what the point of his story today, uh, it just, it gets a little spicy. So I just kind of want to give you a heads up about that. Uh, just a little warning. You know, like when you go to Chick-fil-A and you normally get the regular chicken sandwich and you love your Christian chicken because it's the best and it's great and it's awesome. Today you get the spicy Christian chicken, okay? So just get ready for that because in the story, there's going to be some things that happen. And you're going to be like, wow, wow, I didn't see that coming and neither did Joseph. But I want you to tell you the Bible is relevant, okay? So people who go, well, the Bible's just old school, you know, no, 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 no. It's really relevant, and we're going to see that today, so I hope that you're ready. In fact, if you have a Bible, kind of open with me to the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible right there at the very beginning. We're going to be in Genesis 39, Genesis 39. So if you want to open with me there, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back, or maybe you've got a mobile device, you can access the Scripture, or we'll put the Scripture on the screen. So while you're opening there, let me kind of do a quick review. If you've missed the past couple of weeks or, you know, if you don't remember, it's this, this, it's this. It's this guy, Joseph, is the great-grandson of Abraham. So Abraham, the patriarch, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that? Okay, this is that guy, Abraham. So godly man, and God says, hey, I'm going to give you descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, and from you I'm going to bring the Messiah. And so here comes the promise. Abraham, Isaac, after Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob has 12 sons. And these guys become the 12 tribes of Israel, all right? And Joseph is one of those 12. In fact, he's number 11 out of the 12. So he's kind of the young guy there. And we pick up his story in Genesis 37. He's 17 years old. Now, there's some things that even if it's a godly family, there's some things that come down in the generations, like generational sin. And there was favoritism in this family. And Joseph, you know, is the favorite son. So his dad favors him, gives him a coat of many colors. You may remember that, right? Uh, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Well, that favoritism doesn't go over real well in the, 
and the brothers, right? They're like, what? You know, what's going on here? And, and I just want to tell you, if you missed last week, go back and listen, because what happens so many times is we pass down generational sin. And, and what happens is we just go, well, that's our family. We're just like that, right? When times get hard, we walk away, or we all drink. We all just get alcoholism. It's, you know, it's just kind of part of our family. We have anger issues. That's just who we are. And you got to stop, stop, stop that. And Joseph's the one who stops it in his family. Praise God. But it's passed down. Even in a godly family, there's things that come down to us. And you have to stop that because it has huge implications. Huge implications. In fact, at 17, Joseph has these dreams. And he, he's like, I got this dream. And he, and he says it to you know, his, his parents and to his brothers. He's like, there's you know, the sun and the moon, 11 stars. And they're all bowing down to my star. What do you think that means? It doesn't go over real well. But because of the favoritism, right, his brothers get really mad. And there's conflict in this family. And they don't deal with it in a healthy way. And one day they see Joseph walking along. He's got his coat on. And they just get so fed up with him. And they take him and they throw him in a cistern. They throw him in a cistern. And then they sell him as a slave. And we said in all of our families and all of our lives, there's going to be conflict. It's not if I have conflict in my marriage, if I have conflict with kids, or if I have conflict. How do I deal with that? How do I deal with that in a healthy way, in a godly way? And these guys didn't. But God had a plan and God had a purpose for Joseph and God has a plan and a purpose for us. And what we've seen so far in this series and what we're going to see today is this, that God is forging Joseph and us through dreams. God gave him some dreams. God's given all of us dreams. Maybe it's a dream for, for a godly family. Maybe it's a dream for a ministry. Maybe it's a dream to write a book or do something big for the glory of God. God shapes us, forges us through those dreams, through our family, great things through our family, sometimes even challenges through our family that God forges us and today, even temptation, even temptation. So go with me to Genesis chapter 39, Genesis chapter 39. Now you're saying, hey, we were just in Genesis 37. We skipped over Genesis 38. You're right. You're so good. Well, we skipped over because that kind of goes into Judah, all right? Judah, who is the older brother of Joseph, who is the seed, right, the line of the Messiah. And so Jesus will come from the line of Judah. So Abraham, the birthright comes down to Joseph. He gets the double blessing, but the seed comes down through Judah. Now Judah, it kind of contrasts Genesis 38 and 39 because Judah makes some really bad decisions. Um, but what's encouraging is that even in our lives, God can redeem and restore. God can redeem and restore. So pick up here. We're back to Joseph, Genesis 39, and it says in verse 1, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So just imagine Joseph, 17 years old. You think everything's going great. You know, your dad loves you. You think, hey, I got these great brothers. And next thing you know, you're sold into slavery. You're away from your family. You're scared to death. And he is bought by this guy, Potiphar, who's the captain of the guard. Okay, so we know this guy's probably pretty tough. Uh, we also know he's probably pretty wealthy. Uh, and he's there in Egypt. Um, if you go back and study history kind of at this time there, if you were a slave, most likely you were building the pyramids, you know, or you were doing some labor outside. So Joseph ends up in this home, and it probably would have been a home that had uh, artwork, uh, gold tableware. I mean, it was a lot of servants, a lot of slaves, probably multi-story. And here's Joseph. Well, notice verse 2. In fact, if you underline in your Bible, maybe underline this verse right here. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. 
You know, so often in our lives, when we go through hard times, we're just kind of like, God, where are you? I mean, God, did you forget about me? I mean, God, look, I didn't even do anything wrong. And look, look what's going on. But it says the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord is with you. I don't know what you're facing today. I really don't. Uh, maybe you're going through struggles. Maybe you're going through challenges. Maybe you're going through difficulties. Just, just hold on to this. The Lord is with you. The Lord is not finished with you. Last week we talked about this, that, that our circumstances are not the end of the story. That God's still writing a greater story. You hold on to him. And Joseph did. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. Now Joseph could have been bitter. He could have complained. He could have been like, oh, I can't believe this, and I'm going to be angry. I'm not going to do a good job. But Joseph didn't. Joseph did a great job. I mean, so much so that, that his boss looks at him and goes, the Lord's with you. There's something different about you. And I tell you, that, that's our calling in all of our lives. You may be in a job that you just go, man, I hate my job. I don't want to be here. But while you are there, while you're there, do a great job and point people to the Lord. Say, look at what God's doing in my life. Use that time. You know, if you work at Sonic, be the best skater in the world. I mean, whatever you are, do great wherever you are right now. We see that in Joseph's life. And from that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Isn't that amazing? The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And there's a residual effect. As you and I live godly lives, as the Lord is with us, as we follow him, other people are blessed. And this guy was blessed. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Okay, now it took some time for this to happen, right? I mean, Joseph, 17, slave there. But after a while, he starts to move up in the rankings. Now we know what's going to happen in a couple of years. And so if you kind of date this back, he is a slave there for 11 years. 11 years. A lot of times we look at the Bible and we're kind of like, oh, okay, that happened and then they moved on, right? And it just, you know, it's like a day. No, it was 11 years. In our lives, sometimes we pray like, God, help, you know. Okay, well, I guess you didn't answer. I'm going to go do my own thing. You know, I'm going to go fix it. And God's going, oh, be patient. Hold on. Be faithful. Be steadfast. I'm doing something bigger. Trust me. Trust me. Joseph did. He held on to God. And now comes the spicy chicken right here, okay? Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, all right? You know when it starts that way, you're like, whoa, where's this going, right? Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. All right, this is kind of setting up like some soap on, you know, midday, and the garden boy's out working, you know, and the wife's like checking out through the window, and it's like, oh, and you're going, uh-oh, danger, danger, right? And, and these things are starting to go in her mind, and she said, come to bed with me. All right, no subtle innuendos, nothing, no, he's just like, come to bed with me, right? Just straight up, right there. Wow. Now, I want to tell you, when we talk about the Bible being relevant, this is the first recorded time in history that you have a cougar. I mean, I just... <laughs> 
It's right there. There's a cougar right there. This older woman is checking out this younger guy right there in the Bible, way before Cougar Town or whatever show that was. Here it is, okay, because it's right there. And uh, you see it. And so she's like, come to bed with me, verse 8, but he refused. But he refused. Now, I'm, I'm loving this guy right here because he's like, no. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Bam. You talk about character. You talk about integrity. I mean, you know there's some pressure here, right? I mean, this is like boss. This is like, you know, in charge. And Joseph's like, no. No. My master, I'm over everything. The only thing he's withheld is you. You're his wife. I'm not going to do this. And I'm not going to sin against God. Wow. You see, so many times when, when there's an affair, when there's lust, you know, nobody thinks about the other people involved. Joseph did. Nobody thinks about, you know, the husband or the wife or the kids. It's just like, I want that. And many times nobody thinks about God. I can get away with this, but Joseph knows. No, God sees. God knows. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So you can imagine this guy's trying to do his job and he's got this dolled up Cleopatra chasing him all over. He's like, leave me alone, you know, stop. Well, here's verse 11. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. Uh-oh. You know, he's walked in the house. He's like, hey guys, it's time for work. Nobody's here and there's rose petals like leading down the hallway and there's champagne chilling and Barry White's playing. He's like, uh, what's going on? What's happening? And verse 12, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He like took off. He's like, no, no, no. And he takes off and he's running out. Well, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. You guys, what she just did right there is really signed his death warrant. I mean, slaves were like property. They were tokens. Potiphar is the captain of the card. It's amazing how sexual sin, because it's so emotionally charged, that here's this woman who lusted after this guy day after day after day, and then all of a sudden the rejection comes, and now she hates him. She hates him. And that's the thing about sin, right? Sin always takes you further than you want to go. It leaves you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you ever wanted to pay. And now, all of a sudden, she's like, hey, I want this guy dead. Mm. She kept his cloak beside her until her master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought, brought us, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. 
And we don't know if he was burning with anger toward Joseph. If he was, he probably would have had him killed, but he's probably burning with anger toward his wife because he knew, hey, this can't be right. This can't be right. But he's put in prison. And look at this next verse. But while Joseph was there in prison, verse 21, the Lord was with him. Wow. And I'm sure Joseph's going, really, God? I did the right thing. Here I am now in the king's prison. You know, if you go back and study the Hebrew, it says, verse 21, the Lord. And Lord is all capitalized. If you look in your Bible, right, it's all capitalized. Here, here it says the Lord. That is the personal name for God. That's Yahweh. In fact, Yahweh is so personal that the Jews would not even write the vowels because they didn't want to mess up the name. And Yahweh is used five times in this chapter. It's only used one time after this. And what God is saying is, in your darkest time, in your hardest time, I'm with you. Personally, I'm with you. I'm not leaving you. I won't forsake you. In your circumstances, you may not understand, but know this, Yahweh. I'm there. The Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now we're going to see next week what God was doing, what God was doing in Joseph in prison. But this week, here's some things I want you to think about. The fact of the matter is this. We're all going to face temptation. You faced it in your life before. You're going to face it in the future. And some of you, you, you it's, it's real for you. And what do you do when your boss starts hitting on you? That's what happened to Joseph. What do you do when your boyfriend wants to go further than you do physically? What do you do when you start to have these feelings and this electricity that kind of buzzes with somebody who's not your spouse? What do you do? How do you handle that? That's what we're going to talk about today. If you're taking notes, here's some things I want you to see. Five things about temptation. I, I, I'm just telling you, today, it can impact all of our lives. It can impact all of our marriages, our future marriages, even save our lives in so many ways. But here's some things I want you to know. One, temptation often occurs when you're successful. And we don't think about it like that, Right? We think about when we're going through hard times or difficult times, and man, that's when I really need to protect myself. That's when I need to hold on to God. That's when I need to trust God. That's when I need to kind of burrow into his word and prayer. But it's when we are successful that we're susceptible. It's when we're successful that we stop kind of, kind of thinking, hey, I, it's about me. I've made success. I've done this. I'm, this is great. And if you notice, Joseph was successful. And many times that's when people get in the most trouble. A lot of times we think, hey, well, I'm immune. That'll never happen to me. Oh, 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 listen. Just look at the landscape of our country. I mean, from politicians, educators, clergy, I mean, business leaders, military leaders. I mean, a couple of years ago, one of the biggest military leaders in our country, and people thought, hey, he's going to be president one day. And hey, you go back and Google this guy and all this stuff and all of his accomplishments, and then boom, an extramarital affair, and he's out. Over. All those things he worked for, you're thinking, what happened? And maybe that staffer thought, maybe if I sleep with my boss, hey, I'm going to get promoted, it's going to be great. No, 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 no. The boss is gone. Here's the thing, here's the thing. 
Let God determine your success, not a man or a woman. Let God determine your success. You hold on to him. God is forging you. God is at work in you. You stay strong in him through the hard times, but also through the good times. Trust in him. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Temptation is not a sin. Guys, you you gotta get this. Temptation is not a sin. Joseph didn't sin here, right? Joseph didn't sin here. There is a difference between temptation and trials. We're all gonna face temptation. We're all gonna face trials. But here's the thing about temptation. Temptation is an opportunity to choose what is right. (laughs) Temptation's an opportunity to choose what is right. It's a part of that forging process where we're all sober being hammered. We can choose the right thing. We can choose to say no. Jesus was tempted. You ever thought about that? Jesus was tempted and he never sinned. (laughs) So if Jesus was tempted, we're all gonna be tempted. How do we handle that? Here's what it tells us in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall, exclamation point. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Every time that temptation comes, there's a way out. There's a way out. And God provided a way out. And you're thinking, well, Joseph ended up in prison. Great way out. Well, you know what? God's going to use that time in prison. We'll see next week to do something really big for the kingdom and to do something really big for a lot of people's lives. You be faithful. Temptation is not a sin. See, see, what happens a lot of times, we go, well, I thought that thought, and we've kind of talked about this, so, you know, I guess I've already messed up. No, 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 you haven't. Stop. 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 Here you go. Next one. Temptation happens when you find yourself in compromising situations. Temptation happens when you find yourself in compromising situations. Joseph did his best to avoid these situations, right? She's coming after him all the time. But it's the times where he was alone with her that got it. And that is so true. You and I have to watch that. See, we have to avoid visual and verbal stimuli. Guys, we are visually stimulated. It's just the way we're wired. You have to watch what you watch. You have to watch what goes into your mind, you know? And you may think, oh, it's just harmless. It's just another movie, whatever, whatever. You know, it's just on my phone. No, I'm telling you, those things are coming into your mind. You know that. And those thoughts are there. It impacts you. It impacts your marriage. It impacts your daily life. It impacts you. Women, you're more emotionally stimulated. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not, you know, things are hard at home, and so somebody starts paying attention, and they say, you're nice, you look pretty. You have to watch, how am I processing this? What am I doing with this? Job is one of the most righteous men in the Bible. We always think about Job going through some really hard times, but man, he was righteous, and God blessed him at the end of his life. But Job said this, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at another woman. You made that covenant? <laughs> You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? People used to give Billy Graham a hard time all the time, you know, about his character, his integrity, like the stance he would take. He would say, hey, when I go to a hotel room, I want the TV removed. I don't even want that temptation. If I'm, the elevator comes and there's another woman on there, I, I'm, it's just me and her. Nope, I'm going to wait for the next elevator. And people are like, and then all of a sudden it comes along, right? The whole Me Too movement. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm thankful for the Me Too movement. 
Now, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for every victim. In fact, I get angry about it. But I'm thankful that people have stood up and said, this isn't right. Even people who have been far from God and maybe not have a relationship with God said, this is not right. And I tell you, I have three daughters who are going to grow up in this world, in this culture, and I'm thankful that people have stood up and said, it's not right. Here we go. In order to resist temptation, you must decide in advance what you believe. Guys, you have to decide in advance. You know, it wasn't when Joseph walked into that house that he decided. He knew what he believed. Joseph knew what he believed. Obviously, he set his convictions and established his character long before the temptation came. He set his convictions and established his character long before the temptation came. And you and I, we've got to do that. We gotta know what we believe. We gotta know what we say. It's not like, hey, my boyfriend invited me up to his apartment. Hey, I wonder what I think about premarital sex. I don't know, let me try to think about that. Let me process that. No, you do that before. It's not 11 o'clock at night and everybody's asleep and you got your phone and you're like, hey, should I go to this website or not go to this website? I don't know, maybe I should try to side out. No, you decide in advance. You decide what do you believe before you do that. Know God's word and what determine what lines you're not willing to cross. What are those lines? For Joseph, he's like, no, no, no. I, I'm in charge of everything except you. <laughs> I'm not crossing that line. And listen, I'm not gonna sin against God. I know what God's word says. I know how God wants me to live. I know I'm supposed to be a person of character and integrity. I'm not going there. What about you? What about me? We have those things. We set them. We set them. And then here's the last one right here. When faced with temptation, flee. Flee. Sometimes we go, well, I'm gonna fight this. You know, I don't wanna fight this and I shouldn't think about that person. I shouldn't, you know, no, 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 no. Flee, run away. Joseph ran. It's better to lose your coat than your character. Bottom line, right? It's better to lose your coat than lose your character. You flee. Don't flirt with sin. See, this is what we do. We flirt. Why? Because we like the attention. Somebody's interested in me. Somebody's paying attention. I'm going to kind of flirt with this. You know, I'm going to kind of see how this goes and walk this way. Flee and trust that God will deliver you. Trust that God is for you. Trust that you're going to do the right thing and God's going to bless that. Flee. I love this quote. The true measure of your character is what you do when nobody is watching. The true measure of your character is what you do when nobody is watching. And guys, when we talk about this, I'm gonna tell you, everybody in the room, right? We've been impacted by this in one way or another. Everybody. And, and I wanna say this, I wanna say this. That it is because of the grace of God that we are all here today. And in your life, in your life, I want you to know that through Jesus Christ, Whatever's happened in the past, there is forgiveness and there is hope for the future. And what happens so many times is when we start to get serious about our relationship with God, Satan comes along and he says, well, you remember what you did when? You remember what you did with her or what you did with him? And then I'll say, oh, you're right, I can't. And then we just kind of give up. And we just back down. And I pray, I pray today it would be a marker in your life. I pray it be a marker in your marriage. I pray it be a marker where you just say, get behind me, Satan. The past is the past. I'm going forward in you. I'm going forward as a new creation in Christ. 
I'm going forward to be a godly man. I'm going forward to be a godly woman. I'm going forward to pursue you. I'm going to do it right. You know whatever's happened? It's happened. But I knew in you. One of my favorite people in the Bible is a guy named David. David, who was a king back in the Old Testament, and David was successful, and when he was successful, you know what he did? He sent his army off to war, and it says in the time when kings go off to war, and David didn't go. He walked around in his palace. He was successful, and he thought, man, I got it all, and he saw a young woman bathing. And instead of saying, oh, I shouldn't see that, I should walk away, he began to stare. And then he sent a message, hey, who is that? Oh, that's Uriah's wife. Yeah, go bring her. And David committed adultery right there. And then he takes it a step further, right, and has her husband killed to try to cover it up. And you're just thinking, unbelievable. But I want to tell you, there were some huge consequences of life. But David was broken over it. And David wrote Psalm 51, and he got on his knees, and he repented, and he said, God, come in and make me new. Cleanse me, forgive me. And God forgave him. And David stood up and he went forward. And some of the best years as king were some of those latter years, some of his best leadership of those latter years. And at the end of his life, he was known as a man after God's heart. Wow. There's an opportunity here for us to do what's right. There's an opportunity for us to go forward in him. There's an opportunity for us to leave a legacy of what is right and what is good. And so I want to challenge and just encourage you today. I don't know where you are, but it all comes back to your relationship with the Lord. And maybe for you, today is a day where you say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I always thought you were mad at me and upset me. But today, I realize that, God, you're a God of grace. And today, God, I realize I need you, so come in. Maybe today is a day you just go, you know what? It's a new start, a new beginning. I want to be baptized. I want to go forward. Maybe it's a day of confession. Maybe you're involved in extramarital affair. Maybe you're involved in some thoughts or flirting with somebody you know you shouldn't. And today you just go, stopping it. I'm stopping it. I don't want it to destroy me. I don't want it to destroy my family. I don't want it to destroy their family. I got to stop this today. Maybe today you just go, you know what? I got to work on my marriage. You know, because a lot of those things are leading me away because I'm not working on my marriage. I want to work on my marriage. I want us to have a great marriage. I want us to have a godly marriage. I don't know where you are today, but God does. God does, and God loves you, and God wants the rest of your life to be the best of your life. And this is an area where Joseph, he did it right, and so can we, and so can we. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what temptations you're facing. I know they're there. But today, would you just say, God, I need you. God, I want to know you, the personal God who is with me, who is for me, who promises to never leave me or forsake me. God who is with me in the hard times and even the good times. Maybe today is the day of salvation. You just want to pray, Lord Jesus, come be the Lord of my life. I surrender it all to you. Maybe it's a day to say, I'm going to put a stake in the ground on this Father's Day, June 17, 2018. I'm, I'm going to live my life for Christ. I'm going to live my life for Christ. 
maybe today to say, God, protect me. My mind, my heart, my family. God, I need you. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples. God, we gather today to study your word and to reorder our lives around your purpose. God, you are God, and you have the best for us. And we know there's temptations in this world. We know there's challenges that we face. But, God, it's an opportunity for us to do the right thing. And so I pray, Father, that we would do that today. And we would find our worth and our value in you and in you alone. Thank you that you love us that you care about us, that you are there for us, that you provide a way out, and that you give us strength. We love you, Jesus, and we dedicate our lives to you. In your name we pray, amen, amen.